Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. And so tonight, as we uh, look into the Word of God, we're going to read out of the book of Matthew chapter 5. I want to minister out of the book of Matthew chapter 5. Always uh, appreciate the opportunity to preach the gospel, and I've prepared something tonight that uh, um, really try to take the practical teachings of Jesus and, and, and apply them to our lives. So I'm not going to keep you all very long tonight. This is going to be, I think, a pretty simple message, looking at some of the fundamentals of the, of the teachings of Jesus that uh, every, every now and then it's, uh, it's important to just go back and review them and just recommit to, to apply them into our lives. And so we're going to read out of the book of Matthew chapter 5 tonight. I want to minister tonight on, a, on something that uh, really can be a major uh, contributor or a detractor to your life if it's not handled correctly or if it's not uh, practiced. And that is the, the idea of self-control. Now, you can make the argument that society as a whole and human nature as a whole uh, lacks self-control just by default. And so uh, this is, uh, I believe, why Jesus was so firm in his teaching about this because he understood that uh, being an individual that can uh, practice self-control has the power for tremendous power for, uh, for good if you can practice it or for bad if, if you don't. And so as we live our lives, we live in the, in the real world. We uh, go through um, situations in our life. We need to be very careful to practice this in our own lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And so well, we're going to read out of this, uh, this scripture you follow along. This is Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 43 uh, through 48, one of, one of uh, Jesus' bedrock principles and teachings that we can learn a lot from. So let, go ahead, uh, you follow along with me, Matthew 5, verses 43. The words of Jesus, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? 
Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. Okay, so let's dive into this tonight, and there's a lot we can learn from this well-known scripture. Firstly, I want to just look at the question you might ask yourself, why should I practice self-control? Well, my first thought is, as Jesus implies here, because there is great power in doing so. There is a great benefit to you in practicing this. Those who, who do the opposite often miss out on this great power, on this benefit, and they miss out on all that God has for them. Jesus is setting the standard here, setting a standard, I should say, for our conduct. You see, God will, God will not lower his standards for us, but Jesus allows us, he raises us up to God's standards. And so this idea, this whole teaching that Jesus uh, uh, is talking about uh, was as revolutionary then as, as it is even today. Because human nature, we desire and we love payback, don't we? We love, deep down, we love to get even. We love justice. We love when, whenever there's a wrong, we want it, we, we want it to be uh, corrected. Whenever there is a, a hurt, we, 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 want, we want other people to feel our hurt. Whenever there is a, a something that is said to us that offends us, we, we, we want to give back a good one-liner, right? Human nature loves this. We love to get even. We love our idea of revenge or justice. And so, you know, think about this. This is why, why do you think superheroes are so popular? The whole concept of a superhero is that you have some individual who is out bringing justice around the world, right? There's some wrong that has been done in the world. Somebody was killed or, uh, or, or, or some tragedy happens. And then we have someone that just steps in and saves the day. And, and we love it. And, 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 and uh, uh, producers and writers and directors, I mean, they've, they've made a whole industry by catering to this human desire to... Um, to, to get back, to, to, to make things, uh, as we see, just. And so, yeah, and you can look beyond that. If you look at, if you just read uh, headlines, if you look at events that are going on in the world and how they're told, whether it be in the traditional news, whether it's on social media, whether it's some podcast or some commentator, it's very rare that you're going to find someone that's giving the message to be calm or to be rational. Oftentimes the whole message is trying to get a reaction, trying to stir emotions, trying to take advantage of this natural human tendency in order to, uh, to advance some sort of, of message. In 
in, in, the, in the world of law, uh, oftentimes uh, there are cases that are referred, or, or crimes rather, that are referred as crimes of passion. And usually you'll have uh, the defending attorney, someone that committed, say, a murder. They killed someone who uh, wronged their family, right? Or they hurt some, a loved one, or or some uh, something was done that the, the the where the premise of this this uh, description of a of a crime of passion is that you know what yeah it was wrong that perhaps someone committed a crime they murdered someone or they they did some they they did some other criminal activity but they just couldn't control themselves and any rational person would have done the same. And this flaw was present right at the beginning of creation. If you read the description, if you read the story on the fall of man, the language says that Eve saw the fruit and she desired it. There was a strong something, some temptation, and she just couldn't control herself. And then Adam couldn't control himself Afterwards, shortly thereafter, if we read um, the story of, of Cain and Abel, Cain could not contain his anger. He was mad. And so, because he couldn't control his anger, he killed his brother. And right from the very beginning, this has been a flaw in human nature. So Jesus is teaching us here, that because it is part of our nature, we need to retrain our mind. That we need to retrain our mind and change our perspective. And the earlier question that I asked, why should I do that? Well, Jesus is telling us very clearly in verse 48. He's saying that doing this, uh, uh, he says, you will be perfect. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And that word perfect is implying complete. You will be complete. You will uh, be all that God intended you to be. So that to me sounds like a, like a very powerful result from what you might consider to be an insignificant action. But no, Jesus is telling us and he's trying to. He, he tried to teach his disciples this, and he's still teaching us to this day that this is a very important habit and discipline that we need to strive to practice daily in our lives. If you're a student of history, there are two important uh, historical figures in, in, in U.S. history that were well-known for practicing this in their lives. And that was George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. So first, George Washington being the leader of the Continental Army who led a, a successful revolt against the British Empire, which founded our country. And then nearly a century later, Abraham Lincoln was there to try to keep the country from permanently being divided. You could argue that those were two of the darkest, if not the two most darkest times in our nation's history. And so the question I ask myself is, had they not been individuals who practiced self-control, would they have 
successfully led those those campaigns and 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 successfully led our country during those difficult times and i don't think so i don't think it's a coincidence that they are they are placed in history where they are because of this trait and so the question again why practice self control it has the power to make you complete and step into all that God has for you, that God could use you and that you can, that you can be used in a powerful way um, and be a, a tremendous example. Which leads me to the second thing I want to talk about, which is the application of this all. So this, uh, this uh, scripture in particular is really focusing a lot on our conduct, on how we on our on on actions, and so I want to just look at three. There are many ways, there are many applications that you can talk about this in, but I just want to focus on on three tonight: uh, an emotional, behavioral, and a mental one. The first is an emotional application. Think about for a moment. Think about how your emotions have the ability to impact your life around you for both the good and the bad. One emotion in particular that we can look at is, uh, and we've um, already talked about it in the example of Abel, is, is anger. Anger is one of the most destructive emotions when it's not controlled. Now, anger is a natural response. Just the, the, the act of feeling anger is not wrong, but it's, it's what you do with the anger that can be destructive. It's what Jesus is trying to, to get us to, to see. In fact, earlier in the chapter, in Matthew 5, 22, listen to what he says. He says, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. And then again in the, in the story of Cain and Abel, uh, the Lord asked Cain in Genesis 4 verse 6, he asked him the question, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? His anger got the attention of God. It was very, it was very evident. And, uh, and, and, and later on in that chapter, it, it, it just, uh, you, you read what happened. He could not control that anger and he ended up com- uh, uh, murdering his brother. And so this is all biblical history, but if you just take a moment and, and, and analyze where we are just today, all the things that you might uh, read about the things that the actions that people take every day, the hurt that people uh, commit to one another, oftentimes it's all rooted in anger. And if we can focus on not other people, but focus on on uh, on, on 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 ourselves, think of times when you may have been angry and the hurt it may have caused other people. Anger. Not having control with this has, you know, you can see this in the breakdown of relationships, marriages, 
friendships. You can, it, it can be attributed to a lot of the, uh, the, the mental issues that people deal with. Their, their anger, they just, they just can't uh, seem to, to, to rationalize. And it can be also things like on the job. Whenever, if you're someone who's a hothead at work, that has the potential to give you a bad reputation. It has the potential to stop any advancement in your career. You lose favor with people. You think about this in ministry, when you're dealing with individuals, if you're angry with people all the time, they're not going to want to be around you. They're not going to want to uh, help you in ministry. And so this is a very uh, important application and something that we need to practice in our lives because, again, it has the ability to, uh, to, um, to help you um, move forward or not. The potential to, for you to just to stay stuck right where you are. And so then Jesus, in light of that, Jesus introduces this, this revolutionary idea is that he's basically saying you can choose not to retaliate or you can choose not to react. Let's read that first part again. He says you have in, in, in uh, verse 38 of Matthew 5. He says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, when you read that at first glance, that's, um, you know, it's very, it's very direct, the language. And I don't know about you, but if somebody slapped me, I don't know if I could do that, turn the other cheek. But this, but, and, and it's precisely because of our our resistance to it, this is why it's so powerful. Think about people who practice this teaching of non-retaliation that used it to great effect, like Martin Luther King, Gandhi. They were able to lead movements that changed nations because they practiced this teaching. And I, I don't think that this is, you know, Jesus is telling us just to be pushovers or to be passive, but it's just, again, a change of a mindset. Especially if you have been, uh, you know, raised in an environment where uh, that's all that happened. It was just reaction. Reactions that can be explosive at times. And so we have to remind ourselves constantly about this. I want to look at a, uh, then a, a, the, the beha- a behavioral example or, uh, of this and how we can apply it to our lives. And this is another one that can be touchy, but also very uh, important and why it's talks about so much in the Bible. And that is the, the area, uh, the financial area, personal, personal finance and the ability to be free uh, or not to be, to be constantly struggling. Many people never get ahead financially simply because there's no self-control. It could be bad spending habits. It could be an inability to manage what you have. The Bible places great value 
on our ability to manage whatever resources you have effectively. In, in Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says, There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. This action, this practical thing that we do every single day, which is manage our money, um, it, it's going to require self-control. This ability here has the potential to make or break destiny, especially in the area of ministry. If you can't manage your resources effectively, it's going to be very difficult for a ministry to, to be successful. Yes, God can move, but you also need to be wise with, with, uh, with what God blesses you with. And, and again, being realistic about all of this, because we live in a society that doesn't talk about this. We live in a society where you can buy anything you want on here and just put your thumb or your face on this thing, and boom, you got it. It's very easy to do it. There's, you're not taught, uh, taught self-control, and in fact, oftentimes, society has given us the opposite message. It's telling us that if there's some sort of crisis, if there's some sort of, if people don't have money, then we need to, we need to just, we can just print more money. We can just give everybody money, and that's going to make all the problems go away. But again, it's as, uh, this is a, it's a mindset, which is why no matter the, 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 the amount of money you can throw at something, if there's no self-control, it's just like, it just it's just wasted away and it just merely it just relieves pain temporarily but it never gets down to the disease and then thirdly is um or the third application here is is a mental one and one that uh very near and dear to my heart which is dealing with with fear fear is a symptom of self control the English Standard Version of 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so when you are struggling with this, with anxiety and worry, or if you're just constantly doing this, you're constantly worrying, that is a symptom of that you don't have self-control in the area of your mind, which is one of the most important areas. And as you practice self-control, anxiety and worry tends to fade away. Because God is helping you. Because you're choosing not to focus your mind on whatever it, whatever it is that's worrying you. Whatever it is that you're, you're running through your mind. Now, Jesus is teaching you that when you learn to control that, you can move forward with confidence. And that is so important. Because if you don't have confidence, because you're constantly worried, and you're constantly paralyzed with fear how can you expect that you will have any measure of blessing or success in life when you're just constantly uh, uh, looking at the negative aspects of it all it's practically impossible jesus is saying um or, or rather um this this letter to timothy here paul understood this and and that language is so clear that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So powerful. Having self-control. If you could have self-control in this area, in, in, in the mindset, and not being fearful, 
Think about that. Think of being able to not worry. Think about not having any fear, even though the world around you might be crumbling. Well, Jesus is teaching us that that is absolutely possible. That it's not only possible, but that should be the natural results of us practicing this in our lives. Which leads me to the third point tonight, which is the choice that we have. Because in the language here, Jesus is implying that we can choose to practice self-control. That it's fully in your control to make this decision. And likewise, if you don't choose to practice self-control, you are naturally choosing to not have self-control. Either way, it's your choice. And that, uh, and so he's implying that no matter the circumstance, because you you can't control that very often. Most time, most of the times, you cannot control the circumstances but you can control the the reaction that you have. That language, turning the other cheek, that is a conscious decision not to retaliate. How hard is that? Think about how difficult that might seem right now. But if you practiced it with God's help, that instead of spending all of your energy on the reaction... Because we all know that our reactions can drain us sometimes. Instead of spending, wasting all that energy on, on, on a reaction that likely won't change the situation, you can s- spend that same energy concentrating your mind on God and choosing to be in a state of faith and patience and peace. Even if the world is crumbling around you. And either way, whatever choice you make, um, your actions are, 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 telling, are telling a story. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 12, Jesus is, uh, the, the, he, this is what he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few so here jesus is acknowledging that yeah it's hard life is hard you're going to have challenges this is going to happen okay that road will be hard however if you choose to there's and there's going to be resistance there will be resistance always but he's saying that i'm giving you the power and you have the ability to do the opposite of what most people would do. And as my follower, that's what I expect you to do. Choose the narrow path. One example I'll give, if somebody, you know, uh, says something bad to you, or you think that someone doesn't like you, or you think that, you know, people are talking about you, just take a moment to pause before you choose what that reaction is going to be, Right? And listen, I understand that is very difficult. Another example I'll use, if you think someone is, um, you know, like, I love my daughter, okay? And if something happens to my daughter, I have a tendency to react. If, if something's wrong with her, if she's hurt, and, you know, that, as parents, that's in us, right? We, we want to react. Don't be messing with my kid, right? Who hurt you? 
What happened? That's just me. I know I'm, that's just me. That's how I react. But I have to remember, I have to pause and say, okay, if I go off and if I make a scene, it's going to just look, it's going to reflect bad on me. And it's very often not going to solve any, any situation. And so you can have, again, your own examples. You have your own life. You're going to go through your own set of challenges. And you might even feel justified every now and then to just lose it. Again, the, the crime of passion. Well, he said this. Well, that's not fair. You might feel justified to lose it every now and then. And, you know, looking at it realistically, a rational person might react like you, like you would. However, that doesn't take away from the fact that in the long run, that just ends up, that ends up harming ourselves. It might feel good in the moment to lose your self-control in whatever aspect we've talked about. But over the long run, you, you will be damaged. Your soul will be damaged. You may not have any influence in your life because you lack self-control. You might be right. Well, I was right. Okay, that's fine. But you don't have any influence on anybody now because you wanted to be right. In all sorts of applications of this, very important that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we be different, that we do the opposite of what most people would do by practicing self-control. Because in order to rise in life, you will need to have self-control. I will declare, and I'll just say it, I don't think it's possible for anyone to be successful in life without self-control. And I could be wrong. I will fully admit that you could find me an example of someone, but I don't think so. I think there's a reason why Jesus talked about this so much, and especially in the area of our minds, that you need to have self-control in your mind. If you are, if you are a husband, if you are a father, sometimes... You have to, the house is going crazy. Life gets crazy in your family at times, but you have to be able to have self-control to lead your family. If at work, if you're in a position or, or at a church and ministry, if you're in a position of leadership, sometimes things are going to get crazy and you're going to want to react. You're going to want to Say what's on your mind. You're going to want to deal with the situation right then and there and lose self-control. And, uh, but, but, but again, uh, in order to be successful over, that, over the long run, you will need this trait. Now, the good, the good news here uh, about all of this is that even though it's hard, and it will always be hard, that we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. And, and, and it says this in the book of John, chapter 14. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Very clear. Whatever I tell you to do, keep it. And I, will, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. 
So we have the hope that as we choose to practice this every day, as it's very difficult for us to do, that if we just rely on, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the power that we have when we choose to do the opposite of what most people would do. And I believe that as we practice this every day, I take Jesus at his word that we will be complete, that we will be perfect just as, as, uh, as God uh, uh, and, and, and achieve all that God has for each, every individual here. Because we're all on a journey, we're all on a road. And when it gets tough, when you want to, you know, step out and not, and, and just be out of control, remember, remember Jesus' words always and apply it into our lives. I want to finish with, uh, 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 with a letter that Abraham Lincoln wrote during the Civil War and the Basically, the, uh, the story of this letter, he wrote it to a general whom he gave a very clear instruction to attack uh, General Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was in a position where he could not escape. Uh, Abraham Lincoln became aware of this, and he sent a, um, an, an urgent message, a telegraph, and he ordered him to attack. He ordered him not to call a council because if we, it, it, by catching him, that the, the, the war would be over. And this was, uh, this was in, uh, uh, in the beginning of, uh, of, of 1863, and the war would have been over two years before it actually ended. And so that general did the opposite. He went against orders, and he delayed, and Robert E. Lee was able to escape. Now, the story is told that, that, that President Lincoln was, was furious. He was absolutely livid. He was ready to go down to the camp. He was going to fire this general. He was, he was just going to just, you know, lose it. In fact, what he did, he, he actually sat down. He penned out this letter that he was going to send. And he says, my dear general, I do not believe you appreciate the magnitude of the misfortune involved in Lee's escape. He was within our easy grasp and to have closed upon him would, in connection with our other late successes, have ended the war. As it is, the war will be prolonged indefinitely. If you could not safely attack Lee last Monday, how can you possibly do... Uh, do so south of the river when you can take with you very few, no more than two-thirds of the force you then had in hand. It would be unreasonable to expect, and I do not expect that you can now affect much. Your golden opportunity is gone, and I am distressed immeasurably because of it. Now again, uh, you can look at that language and read it and think that it's not quite it's not too bad, but remember, Lincoln was someone that practiced great self-control. So this was a this was a pretty pretty harsh rebuke from from Abraham Lincoln. And so, what do you what do you think that that general did when he uh, 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 reacted to? How do you think he reacted to to this letter? Well, the story is is that Abraham Lincoln actually never sent the letter. He never mailed it. He just put it in a drawer. And it was found later uh, in his archives after his death. And the story goes that Lincoln had learned early in life when he was a young man who struggled with anger that oftentimes uh, he, he came very close to losing a duel in those days. And he almost came close to losing his life because uh, of his lack of self-control. And so... Who knows what would have happened? Who knows what kind of how he would have brought down this general's morale? 
uh, with this, with this uh, immediate reaction, this loss of self-control. But uh, beyond that, we know now that uh, Lincoln had, a, uh, at, the, at the end of his life, he had great respect from even people who didn't agree with him. And, and, and again, there's a reason why he's a revered figure in history. And so tonight, again, challenge is simple. Let's be people of, that can practice self-control. Let's do the opposite of, of what people expect us to do. Let's take Jesus at his word. And when we feel that, we feel that desire to, to lose it in, in whatever application we've talked about, I, I would just urge you and encourage you to remember these teachings and remember to apply these in our lives daily. And I believe that as we do that, we'll all move forward. We'll have We'll, we'll advance to all that God has for us, and that is something that is worth uh, uh, looking forward to. Let's bow our heads tonight. We're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, Please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.